Looking to stand out from the pack at your first job? When you earn a master's in management from Georgetown, you'll gain the skills employers value most, elevating your career prospects for years to come. Get started at choosegeorgetown.com slash MIM. Time to put your speakers on autopilot. It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the faculty chair of autonomous vehicle engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Hi, Fred. Well, busy, busy week once again. First up, what is going on in California? The State Public Utilities Commission is okaying the idea of autonomous vehicles being used to pick up passengers with the proper permits, of course. But the companies, I think the application was from GM and Lyft, but it probably applies to a lot of others. They cannot charge for the rides, can't operate around airports, and cannot pick up more than one chartered party at a time. And I think that's the one that gets you, right? Well, that's the one. Let's talk about the the good news first. The the really good news is that they're uh, able to uh, serve customers with autonomous taxis, at least those that have obtained uh, from the DMV uh, the permit to operate driverlessly. And uh, that is really uh, uh, fabulous news that uh, – that now the uh, agency that, that controls the the business side um, of the technology, um, the uh, Public Utilities Commission, says, yes, uh, you can be in, in business to do this. And so uh, that is, that's monumental. Um, uh, it's uh, first in the world. Um, it's really a big step. Um, and, uh, the fact that now that they say, well, you can't charge anybody, I, I think is actually, uh, somewhat positive because, um, in a sense, the, the, the driverless, uh, element of this technology, uh, as opposed to the self-driving element, the, the driverless element is really a new form of, of, public transportation of, of mass transportation. It, it, it affords the opportunity for the, the public or mass transportation, uh, uh, community to, uh, to offer effective on-demand mobility, uh, f- essentially from anywhere to anywhere, uh, at least within some, uh, geo-fenced area at as almost any time, except for, you know, harsh rain, snowstorms, when you, you shouldn't be out there anyway. Uh, but to at least afford mobility to all, uh, in this on-demand, uh, mode of, of, uh, of service, uh, which, uh, those of us that have had access to our own personal automobile have now enjoyed for years. Uh, you know, the fundamental difference between, between having a car or having to take uh, public transit, having a car, my goodness, it's, uh, it's sitting there basically attached to your hip. Uh, anytime you want it, you hop in, you go anywhere. Uh, you know, this on-demand ubiquitous mobility is, is um, really an enormous enhancement uh, to one's quality of life. Whereas if you have to take public transit, 
uh, you have to not only go to a to a stop, but it then only takes you to a handful of places, uh, and it's uh, typically on a schedule, and you have to wait anywhere from uh, who knows what to who knows what half hour to days. I like to say, but you know sometimes it's better than days. But anyway, you basically have to be on somebody else's schedule. Uh, to be able to get to a few places, not every place. Uh, what this does is it unleashes this form of mobility uh, for essentially anyone, uh, the young, the old, um, the not too disabled, uh, to be able to go um, from anywhere to anywhere at any, at any time on demand uh, without having to own your own car. Uh, and so this is, this is an enormously good piece of news and, and to make it available, uh, to, uh, especially the, the, um, uh, the less fortunate of our society and to make it very affordable. The PUC has said, Hey, from the beginning, we're going to make it really affordable. It's going to be zero cost. So therefore, it's not who is the deep pocketed, um, you know, uh, uh, Silicon Valley, whatever, uh, who's going to write it off to some other company or, or investors to get their ride. It's going to be, um, anybody can go out there and, 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 uh, have it, uh, to be able to get this service. So I think the fact that they're not permitted to charge initially, uh, will allow everyone uh, to uh, get a taste uh, of this mobility. Um, Obviously, sooner or later, there has to be either government support for it or there will be charges for it. Uh, something will happen down the road, obviously. Uh, absolutely. But, but, uh, let's get, let's get back to that after we talk about the, the bad news. Uh, the bad news is not a, not an ability to share rides, which I just don't understand. If this is really to be the, uh, a new form of mobility for everybody, what is the matter with two, uh, you know, unrelated groups, uh, wanting to go from about the same place, uh, at about the same time to about the same place? Uh, why shouldn't they be able, uh, to be offered the rides uh, together? Or if the th- if system is smart enough, uh, be able to pick up some other riders en route, uh, just because they happen to be there and it doesn't really disrupt, uh, the mobility that's offered to the original group. I think, um, uh, the Public Utilities Commission, being a public utilities commission, should be worried more about what the public, uh, opportunities are of this. And I see this as a public transportation opportunity and uh, they're missing the boat if they uh, explicitly uh, uh, forbid shared rides I, I just I, I I don't understand why they did that and I think it sends absolutely the wrong message with respect to this this form of mobility it should not be focused on on uh, providing single individuals rides by themselves so that they can, you know, continue to be, uh, as they use their own personal automobiles by themselves, 
but now not having to drive uh, uh, or be saddled with paying attention all the way from origin to destination. Uh, I, it's, I, I can't say it um, more bluntly. Uh, I just think this is, this is, um, uh, this is unbelievable that, that they did that. I don't think they understand the, the, the public um, uh, mobility opportunities of this. It's like saying in an, you have elevators in a high rise and my goodness, at all times of the day, only one person is allowed to get in the elevator. Everybody else has to wait and, uh, and, and be served uh, uh, by themselves. Um, um, I, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm dumbfounded. Whether or not they, they, they can charge later, of course. Uh, yes, uh, there will be a charge. But my goodness, if in fact, uh, these, these systems, uh, do operate in a, in a shared ride context, um, during peak times, uh, the, the cost per passenger should be so low that it will be very affordable. Uh, to large segments of the population and um, and in those where it's not affordable the subsidy level uh, will be substantially less uh, than the subsidy that the public sector offers uh, to provide um, uh, very very inadequate mobility by uh, by the the current mass trans transportation systems uh to many places uh so therefore there'll be um, there'll be um uh, many folks uh the public sector as well as 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 others who are more than willing to pay and if it's google um my goodness if they have access to you while you're in the car um um it may actually be free or if we really extend uh, the elevator analogy, uh, uh, communities, developers who, who develop uh, residential complexes will see that, in fact, um, it's both cheaper and better uh, for them to, to uh, operate a, uh, or dedicate a fleet of these vehicles to provide mobility for uh, all of their uh, 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 renters or buyers and, uh, and, and uh, business communities, uh, may, may well find that it again is cheaper, um, uh, and better for them to offer this kind of mobility, uh, to all their patrons, uh, instead of, um, uh, of, um, offering a, we'll pay for your parking, uh, we'll just pay for your trip. And, um, and in a sense, if you want to come down and shop with us, um, we'll come pick you up. Um, hey, uh, enterprise rent a car does it with when you want to rent a car. Uh, one could see this, especially with the, the efficiency that you can get through shared ridership, uh, on these, uh, with these driverless vehicles that in fact, a, a lot of, um, business communities may, may evolve that way. It's going to change everything. Yeah, in fact, uh, Waymo, you mentioned Google, Waymo's head of local policy, Ellie Kasson, spoke at the, the Innovation and Impact Summit recently and said Waymo is pursuing a ride-sharing or mobility-as-a-service approach. Uh, it will have control over both the vehicles and the service offering. And I guess we, we kind of 
new, but this sort of uh, puts it in, in, not in writing, but in the spoken word, what their intents are? Yes, it's nice to hear Waymo, you know, really say it again in a in a public forum. I think, you know, we you and I, Fred, have been talking about this for a while. If you look, if if one does have this asset, uh, what's the best thing that you can do with it? So if we were sitting around the board tables uh, deciding, you know, what could be done with it, um, that's sort of what we've been suggesting and it's very nice to see um uh, that they're approaching it this way and 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 really approaching it this way um i guess i i, I believe them um it's not just window dressing to get this or that so i would imagine that they're not too happy about the the CPUC saying, oh, no, 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 uh, you only get to provide on-demand service to to one individual each time you use your asset. I mean, uh, if I was Waymo, I'd be knocking on the door. I have this asset that can serve many trips, many trip makers at the same time. Uh, you're not going to let me use it. Uh, I mean, it seems, uh, you know, I can alleviate congestion with this. I can provide mobility to more folks. I can do it more affordably. Uh, you, the public utilities commission are not interested in providing affordable public services. I mean, uh, what am I missing here? Well, we'll move on. There's a, I'm sure we'll be coming back to this one. <laughs> Thank you, Fred. I, I'm sorry to rant, but I mean, this one is like, it's a whoa, one. I, right. I, I'm missing something. I, I, I must be my fault. We'll have to, we'll have to, we'll have to learn perhaps what some of their fears, concerns are and, uh, see how, see how that shakes out in your latest, uh, in your latest newsletter, the smart driving cars new le- newsletter. Uh, you have a piece from the International Transport Forum titled Safer Roads with Automated Vehicles. Um, really, this is, I guess, a, a look at uh, the approach being taken in Europe. Yeah, and, you know, and, and sometimes and maybe they, they're tied in with the CPUC in California. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, what seems to be, to me, to be coming out of, uh, out of Europe, very good work. Uh, but it's work that's focused on self-driving vehicles and, and, and not driverless vehicles. And, and the big difference to me in those two is, is the fundamental business case between the two. Self-driving, because it requires a driver to be in there to drive some of the time, is it cannot afford mobility and to deliver mobility on demand, except, you know, as Uber and Lyft and DD currently do. All right. It doesn't allow the, the real uh, innovation and, and revolution in that service. Um, and it's focused on selling um, comfort and convenience uh, to uh, uh, individuals who go out and purchase these vehicles, as opposed to driverless being really a fleet operation in which uh, there is a fleet owner who has the opportunity to manage those vehicles uh, for the public benefit to provide uh, the highest quality mobility to the most. And that's that's a that's completely different business. 
And it seems to me that Europe is in the business of continuing um, everybody go out and buy their own car, attach it to their hip and use it and drive it uh, now maybe just some of the time. Um, and uh, and again, um, uh, have that as, as the, the continuation of the 100-year-old uh, conventional business case um, uh, for the automobile. As opposed to driverless being, you know, this completely different thing. My goodness, it's a fleet. We're going to manage it. We're going to operate it. We're going to use it in shared service. We're going to look at it as like a real horizontal elevator and provide that kind of service uh, ubiquitously. And so um, and in some sense, all of these reports and very good ones coming out of Europe um, but they seem to just be focused on on the individually owned automobile, um, the the congestion that's, that that ensues from such a thing, in which it just continues having uh, vehicles with one occupant in them um, moving around and using the the, the roadways. I, I don't know. I'm um, I'm disappointed. Yeah, especially since uh, some European companies. Countries have really been out front in in planning to do away with the use of fossil fuels. You would think they might be out in front on this. I, I would think they would. Be the, the best way to reduce fossil fuel use is to share rides. Is to have put put two people in a vehicle instead of one. Uh, you know that chops it in half. You put three. You divide it by three. Oh my goodness! And they're so they're so. Uh, um, you know, enthusiastic about transit, <laughs> but you know, conventional transit, which again, you know, few stops between a few places. Yes, it's good for a few trips, uh, but guess what? Uh, Europeans are buying cars, and guess what? They're driving those cars, and guess what? There's a lot of congestion out there because they're all in those cars by themselves. And, uh, you know, just putting some automation on it, yes, it's going to improve safety, uh, but uh, it's not going to do anything else. Also in the newsletter, Alan, uh, you highlight a piece from ARS Technica focused on emergency braking systems and why they sometimes hit parked cars and lane dividers. This is really an explainer kind of piece <laughs> telling us why this is happening. Yes, and it's it's what we've uh, you and I, Fred, have, have been talking about uh, for some time with these with these uh, entities. Uh, I think T Timothy Lee's article explains very well uh, that um, that there are a lo uh, lot there are too many false positives associated with the current sensor systems that uh, that then um, uh, call or suggest that there is an object in the lane ahead uh, that is uh, that is stationary um, because there are a lot of stationary objects out there to uh, as one dr uh, drives down the road and the systems really aren't reliable enough to determine as to whether or not uh, uh, that uh, that uh, uh, telephone pole is in the lane ahead or just off to the side? Or is that overpass uh, an overpass that I can pass under 
or is it a brick wall that is uh, sitting on the road ahead? And and so therefore, when it detects these objects, these stationary objects, especially when they're going at high speed, um, and the, the detection may suggest that these objects are in the road ahead, uh, since it's so unlikely that there would be a brick wall in your lane ahead, or that a um, a telephone pole would be sitting in the middle of your road ahead, it goes out and disregards these things as um, as false alarm. The wolf that's crying, there's no wolf. Uh, forget there's no crying wolf. Uh, go back to sleep, and um, and. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, every once in a while there is a wolf. Like, uh, my goodness, I didn't realize I was driving down uh, the, uh, uh, the breakdown lane and, or, and there was a parked fire truck in it. Or my, um, my, um, uh, lane keeping system got confused between two white lines and uh and geez i was following the wrong white line and that one leads me right to a um, new jersey barrier that happens to be uh oh, dead ahead uh but i don't realize i'm following the the wrong white line and therefore that couldn't possibly be a new jersey barrier dead ahead so um stay on the accelerator and let's get back up to cruise speed. Yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting it's, thing, it's, Alan, is uh, the people have got to, you know, many more and more cars you know, have the automatic braking systems and people have to start reading the manuals. Uh, Quartz, the uh, uh, name of a publication, has an article quoting from the Toyota Camry owner's manual, and it lists situations that may stump the automatic braking system. And it seems to be a pretty long list, uh, longer than some other car makers seem to be acknowledging. But it's interesting that you have to read the manual. <laughs> well, look, uh, when did last time you read your privacy statement in Facebook? And yet you sit there and do a bunch of things in Facebook. I don't, but I, and I'm not suggesting you do either, Fred. I'm sorry, <laughs> but, you know, um, uh, yes, uh, everybody should read the manual. Uh, and once you read the manual, you say, my goodness, the darn thing doesn't do anything. But, um, um, uh, we, we need to make these things substantially better. Okay. And, and, uh, and there, there, and, and the, the issue is, uh, we need to get the, the, the false alarm rate on the recognition side substantially better. So that, uh, so that, uh, we, whenever th we do detect these things, um, uh, they re they are real and, and the wolf is there. Um, and in the small few instances when the wolf isn't, uh, then, then basically the reaction should be, you know, s at least slow down. What are you going to lose? Two or three seconds? Until you can get a better look at it and make sure that it, it is a wolf or not a wolf, and um, and 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 then and then move on from there. But there there just needs to be a, an, a substantially more intelligence in these things, and and the message to both Uber and to and to Tesla has to be, um, you should also integrate the automated emergency braking system with your. 
uh, autopilot system and with your, you know, uh, driverless, uh, your self-driving system. They're not independent, and and uh, and and therefore the the two of them should should uh, basically uh, talk to each other. And I don't know if it's because of the corporate structure, which in the development teams, you know, it's one group that developed one system and another group that developed the other system, and they really didn't talk to each other or whatever. And um, or I don't know what the source is, but but. uh, but they've got to integrate these systems and they, they have to work in, in, in unison. And, um, and my goodness, uh, when this, uh, I am sure, uh, sure, I'm reasonably sure that in the, uh, New Jersey barrier, uh, butt end crash on 101 in California, uh, why that, that killed Huang, um, that 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 system saw the 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 barrier, uh, the, the butt end of that barrier two three seconds before it hit it. Uh, the the uh, emergency uh, automated emergency braking system must have seen it, and I hope Tesla goes out and says that it saw it, and and says that those situations uh, well are situations in which it feels that at that speed. Uh, seeing the, the, the kinds of, uh, of signals that the, that, that the object uh, recognition system saw, um, felt that, the, that there are too many, um, uh, too many false alarms, uh, in those conditions and therefore disregarded it. I think they need to come and admit to that. And if they admit, admit to that, at least that's the beginning of trying to solve it. The transparency or is what you've always, you know, I could easily be wrong. Talked about. Well, a couple of announcements from Tesla, uh, a new autopilot update uh, that nags drivers to hold the wheel more often than the old version. And the company is planning uh, what it says, a, a really big autonomous update for August, uh, calling it fully autonomous. So, well, there, there's you know, I'm. Um, I'm a I'm a fan of the Tesla system. I'm a fan of Tesla, but but uh, that doesn't help. Um, I, I mean, the, the elegant thing that GM's done with with Super Cruise is they've uh, installed the the their eye tracker system. So basically, um, uh, the system knows whether or not you're paying attention to the road ahead. And if you spend uh, too much time, which is more than you know a handful of seconds. Uh, not, uh, paying attention to the road ahead. It starts, uh, it starts beeping. And if you can, if you continue, uh, it basically doesn't turn the system off. It pulls you over and then turns it off. Um, and, and, you know, that's what Tesla and that's what everybody needs to do. Uh, just sitting there, you know, suggesting that you touch the wheel, touching the wheel doesn't, I don't know. That doesn't imply that you're looking at the road ahead. And the important thing is, is being cognizant of what is going on a- ahead. And uh, the real way to do that is to, do you have your eyes open and are they looking at the road ahead? And, uh, and 
that's a much more direct way to to see uh, whether or not uh, you're paying attention. Now, your brain could still be tuning out. Maybe we need to put electrodes on your head to see what the heck, uh, you know, your synapses are doing. Uh, but um, that's a little bit too intrusive. Um, but um, but what, what Tesla probably needs to do is, is send out little cameras uh, to install in each of their vehicles to each of their customers and say, put this there on your, you know, glue it onto your windshield. And uh, we're, we're just going to monitor your eyes. And if you don't want us to monitor your eyes, then you can't use it. Interesting. They could build on what, on what's out there. In the meantime, and finally, uh, another would-be Tesla competitor, uh, one named Byton, has unveiled uh, an electric and autonomous concept vehicle. They got uh, half a billion dollars in, in funding. And I guess this is just one of many. Yeah, it's it's one of many, and great. You know, come on out there. Um, uh, look, in, 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 at the turn of the previous century, there were – there were, I don't know, hundreds of car companies out there competing with Ford that was out in the lead. Um, and, um, you know, oh, they tried. Um, um, great. Uh, they're, they're in it to create a self-driving vehicle, not a driverless vehicle from all that I've read. Um, and so, uh, again, to uh, sell comfort and convenience to the uh, – a more wealthy of our society, wonderful. Um, uh, glad there's somebody out there doing it, but it, it's it's not uh, it's not uh, improving the the whole uh, public mobility uh, opportunity that one has with driverless, which is really what 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 uh, I would like to see happen. Well, perhaps they'll move in that direction at some point too. I guess uh, they could. They could. Well, it's time for us to pull over. Uh, you can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, on iTunes, Google Play, and more, even on your Amazon Alexa. Look for my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening.